We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. I know it's been a little bit, but um, yeah, here to talk a little bit about what the Chargers did in free agency, talk a little bit about the draft, and honestly, just talk about the way uh, Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley have built this new look roster, which contains a lot of new faces. I'm hoping we bring a couple old old guys back, but um, yeah, I mean, let's let's get straight into it. So Chargers, free agency. Um, I've been on a couple of the live emergency podcasts discussing, you know, JC Jackson and uh, Khalil Mack and Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson. So just go check out that if you want to get my opinions on everything. But just to kind of recap the Chargers free agency, they've pretty much gone all in on defense, which is what I expected last year. You go all in on offense and you build the offense around Herbert. Now you go all in on defense, get the guy Staley needs to run his scheme. And I think they got everyone at reasonable values, right? You're getting JC Jackson at the seventh highest APY uh, per all cornerbacks, getting Sebastian Joseph Day for eight mil, Austin Johnson for seven mil. Both come in lower than guys like BJ Hill and Foley Faducasi. So, I mean, great value signings for the Chargers. Again, Tom Telesco and Ed McGuire um, and the rest of that personnel team do a great job of getting guys at great value. Now, the difference in this year's free agency versus like almost every other year is they're getting young guys. Not, they're not just getting, you know, guys for good deals who are good players. They're getting young guys. And I think the athletic wrote an article about like execs being pulled about every single team. And one of the major knocks on the chargers outside of like, okay, the chargers always do a good job of filling holes. They always have a talented team, but Tom Slesko always, or before this year, he always went and got older guys. So the roster, it looked good on paper, but the roster always got older during free agency. And I think he did a great job of going away from that. And then you get JC Jackson, who's only like 26 or 27. You get uh, Joseph Day, who's coming off his rookie contract. You have Austin Johnson, um, only six years of experience, right? So you get younger, you get better on almost all facets of the team. And that's a good way to build your team. Now, let's talk about how I think they're using analytics in the front office. There's a reason they didn't bring back Kaiser White. And it's not because they didn't like him. It's not because the coaches didn't want him. They didn't bring back Kaiser. 
I think strictly because a positional value and it's just because linebacker isn't that important in Staley's defense. He's going to live in nickel and dime. He wants to run two or three safeties on, on the field at a time, might right? Like in, in an ideal scenario, I think Derwin James is playing in the box and you can run Nasir Adderley and Alohi Gilman back there, or you're running four DB, four CBs, but they don't have a fourth cornerback because their fourth guy is Tavon Campbell. So they're trying to live in nickel and dime. And on top of that, I just, this is just a, a standard thing that teams do. They, they try to overcompensate for their mistakes and they try to justify their draft picks, right? Like, I, I don't know what goes on in that building, but I mean, there, there's probably, I wouldn't say a power struggle, but there's probably conversations with, you know, from the front office and Brandon Staley, where it's like, okay, Brandon Staley might want Kaiser back, but the front office is saying, no, we want to see Kenneth Murray. We drafted him, we traded up and drafted him in the first round. Like we have to, see what he's about right like we have to justify why we traded up for him and that's all ultimately why I think they let Kaiser White go it was a very it, it, it was a very modest deal that they you know the Eagles signed him for but again I think positional value is just it's just something that the Chargers are valuing a little more now and that's something that Brandon Silly talked about at the owners meeting or whatever where he talked about like we want to make sure we're bringing guys and signing guys for the right value so now with you know kind of like the first second and third wave of free agencies free agency finished the Chargers still have holes on the roster right like I don't know what they're doing at right guard I'm, I'm assuming Ode Abushi will come back I mean he signed I think a little bit later in the process than last year um everyone's kind of just questioning like, what they're doing at right tackle to me right now I think they're trying to I think the plan for them will probably be filer at right tackle and high miss at left guard that way I mean you've kind of you let your you see what you can do with your draft pick in Jaime's and and then obviously take care of a big need at right tackle with Filer who had some of the best years of his career at right tackle with the Steelers right which which is something that Sean Surratt Surratt saw uh, when he was the assistant offensive line coach in Pittsburgh so I think that's how the Chargers approach the offense and the offensive line I don't really they obviously still need a running back too but I think at this point you just skip the um, you skip the free agency mark and you go straight to the draft. I I really hope they don't take a running back in the first three rounds, and I hope that they just save for like a seventh or sixth round comp pick to use a, to take a running back. Um, it's obviously still going to be the Austin Eckler show, but they just need they just need someone who can spell him, who can give him a rest, and not be like super inefficient, which is what Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree are. Defensively, I like look. I was neutral about the JC Jackson signing like obviously he's a great player he should elevate this defense but signing him kind of takes away from some of the depth that you can build which is again the problem of the Chargers last year they just didn't have depth and Tavon Campbell is still currently CB4 so if Michael Davis or JC Jackson or Asante get hurt you're putting Tavon Campbell in and is that something that they're they should be or are comfortable comfortable with and I think the answer should be no right there's still quality guys on the market. They can get Kyle Fuller for cheap. He's had a ton of experience in Brandon Saley and Vic Fangio's scheme, right? Like you should be getting cheap guys, veteran guys, you know, like, like the Bengals did. The Bengals just threw money at cornerbacks, hoped some of them hit, which they did. And they built depth based on veterans, right? Like I know the Chargers have all these draft picks, but how many of them are actually going to make an impact? Right? we only have, I think now two picks in the top hundred. That's not like, yeah, both of those picks, 
you should be hoping to be impact players on day one and the rest are depth pieces you can develop into starters by years three, four, or two and three of their rookie deal, right? Like, a, let's be real, like a fourth through seventh rounder are not going to be as productive as a first through third rounder uh, in year one. So I think that's what the Chargers should be trying to do is just keep filling out their depth. They need more corners. They definitely need more edge rushers. I still don't know why it's just Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack right now because they have no one else. Like Fackrell's gone, Nwosu's gone. I mean, Chris Rumpf is like, he didn't really do anything last year. And I'm sure like everyone would love to see him progress, but like, we don't know how good or bad he is yet. Like, and that unknown at third edge rusher when, you know, they need to give Bosa or Mack a break is going to be like, that's going to be important. So that those two positions definitely still need some improvement. I think the linebacking group is again, fine. Like they're going to they're going to run with um, Amen and uh, Kenneth and Drew as the three main guys. And apparently Amen's been getting a ton of love from guys in the building. Uh, then that's fine as well. But let's talk a little bit about the draft because I think there's a really interesting um, topic that we can talk about, which is a surplus value. So if you don't know what surplus, surplus value is in the draft, it's basically, I'll put it like this, surplus value is the actual value of a player's performance based on what they've shown on their rookie deal minus what they're actually getting paid. So the best example is like TJ Watt, right? The, the Steelers selected him with a 30th pick in the first round. He is now earning the most money of any edge rusher in the NFL before, you know, someone like Nick Bosa takes over. They selected him in the, with, a th- with the 30th pick. And remind, reminder, the 30th pick like makes one of the least amount of money in the first round or among all players in the first round. So he's getting, he got paid as the number one edge rusher after being taken 30th overall. So you can imagine the production he had while on his rookie deal was crazy given the amount of money he was making paid. So obviously his surplus value is going to be one of the highest of any player in the NFL. So, um, you know, this is a, this was an article by PFF by my coworker, uh, Timo Riske, and he wanted to look at what positions and what, at what points in the draft can you maximize this idea of surplus value? Cause that's what you want to do in the first round. Your draft pick should be best player available, but it should, the way I'm looking at it is you want to take best player available at a premium position. So if you want to pause the screen and kind of just understand this graph, basically you want to look at the green line, which is the surplus value for each position uh, given where they're drafted. And you can see pretty much, you know, you maximize surplus value in the first round. So when it comes to what the Chargers should do at 17, the answer is simple. Just maximize your surplus value. And you maximize surplus value in the first round by selecting positions that matter, that are premium positions, and affect the pass game. Quarterback, obviously, we don't need. Edge, receiver, tackle, interior D-line, and corner. Luckily for the Chargers, they have a need at all five of those positions after quarterback they do need an edge they do need a third receiver or you know the third receiver has been mocked to them they do need a right tackle assume assuming filer stays at left guard they could still use some help on the interior d line and they still need a corner like they could draft trent mcduffie if he falls or something so if you look at the curves right 
this is so the first graph was looking at the entire draft that's why it's a it's a downward curve but now once we zoom in on the drafts and we only look at the top 40 picks you can actually see you maximize surplus value on edge receiver tackle interior d line and corner after the first 10 picks and honestly the max like the max value max surplus value you can get on these picks come in that like 12 to 20 region which is where the chargers fall under right so you can map the chargers are actually in a very good spot to maximize the surplus value they can get out of any of these five main positions now obviously i want to see i do want them to stay away from taking a guard um i they're not going to take a tight end i definitely don't want them taking a linebacker and they shouldn't even look at running backs until the sixth sixth round for being honest right so again the whole idea of what i'm thinking the Chargers should do is just maximizing surplus value by attacking a position of need that's a premium position in the first round so like we I, I just talked about how they need a backup edge player but do you really want to take a backup in the first round no so we can kind of cross edge off the board do they need a third receiver yes but they already have Palmer Guyton Williams and Allen under contract those are your top four guys if you add Olave or Garrett Wilson or Jameson Williams to the mix like is is that really maximizing James is that going to maximize their surplus value because they're like this third receiver is going to be playing behind Allen Williams and probably Palmer for the next two at least two or three years right like they're going to be in a timeshare so are they really going to be or is their surplus value really going to be maximized <clears throat> and the answer is probably no let's go go to tackle still need a right tackle right Trevor Penning falls Maybe he's the answer. If Charles Cross falls, maybe he's the answer, right? That's maximizing surplus value because now you're going to be able to draft a guy who's going to start from day one, assuming he's the first round pick, right? So you can maximize his surplus value since he's probably going to be playing years one through five of his rookie deal. So tackle is still definitely still an option. Interior D-line, I mean, they 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 signed Sebastian Justin Day to play nose and D-tackle. I don't think Jordan Davis should be off the board just because of the value he adds to the run game. Plus, you can see one of the major uh, max points on this graph for interior D linemen come in that 10 to 20 range. So you can maximize Jordan Davis's surplus value. And obviously with corner, the thing about corner is it's so hit or, hit or miss in the NFL draft, especially in the first round. I mean, for every uh, Patrick Sertan, you're going to have a Jeff Okuda, right? For every... Uh, for every like Eric Stokes, you're going to have a CJ Henderson, right? You got to just be wary of that. So as much as like the hype around Trent, Trent McDuffie, uh, as much as the hype around Trent McDuffie has, it's still, we still have to be cognizant of the fact that hitting him on a CB in the draft is very tough, right? So that's basically just talking about surplus value and why the Chargers should be attacking what positions they attack. And, you know, obviously you, just listen to Steven, Alex, and Tyler talk about their favorites at each, each position. And the last thing I wanted to talk about before I end today is um, is looking at grinding the mocks. So this is basically a mock draft analytics website, which uh, compiles mock drafts from experts, fans, and you know all types of mock drafts on the internet and scrapes it and records the result. And you can see the you know, the most commonly mocked players to the Chargers within the last month from February to March, Jordan Davis, Trevor, Trevor Penning, DeMarvin Leal, who I 
would hate at this or I don't I don't even know who he is honestly but he's not Jordan Davis so I don't really want him as an interior D lineman uh Jermaine Johnson Jameson Williams Carl Loftus Drake London so you can see the the main breakdown of who has been commonly mocked to the Chargers in this in the past month um around 40 so 42 percent of the time or 43 percent of the time it's D tackle 16% of the time it's receiver, 13% of the time it's uh, tackle, 13 is edge. So like I said, every position that's important, that's a premium position that I just mentioned in the article is what people are mocking to the Chargers, which is a good thing, right? Like, that's a good thing. Now, um, if, you wanna, uh, if you want to check out the site, just search up grinding the mocks on Google and it should be the first link and you'll come to this shiny app, come to the, and you can just play around it play around with it. it's a really great app and it's something that everyone should be using um you know within the, within the next month as the draft stuff ramps up so uh, i hope that was insightful you learned a little bit about a surplus value and like how the chargers should be attacking the draft i think it should be a very fun process i mean the chargers only have two picks in the top 100 i believe but um outside of that i mean that they're in a very good position to make moves and they obviously have a lot of draft capital because they want to trade some away get some premium players at, at good positions like brandon cooks or whatnot or whoever else is on the market so that's going to wrap it up guys again thanks for watching to the end of the episode and with that as always bolts up